0: I blend the most avant-garde information from neuroscience, ancient sexual practices like Tantra and Taoism to renegade wellness modalities to show you how to create gourmet sex in your lives. Come one, come all. Real Aphrodisiacs. The word aphrodisiac is thrown around a lot. So what does it mean? Well, it's something that arouses sexual desire. And all kinds of things are apparently aphrodisiacs from chocolate to strawberries to oysters but are they really? Typically, these foods are containing some kind of vitamin or mineral or amino acid that is a precursor to sex hormone production. And even sometimes not at all. It just might be tangentially related to feeling good. Like, for example, chocolate produces phenylalanine, which makes you feel kind of blissful. And sure, this could be a good segue into lovemaking, but none of these things qualify as true aphrodisiacs. A true aphrodisiac Yet, generates signs of sexual arousal from increased lubrication, easier erections, longer lasting erections, and a higher libido. And there are often associated reproductive benefits like prostate health or easier menstruation and menopause. For all of that, we would have to look to herbs there is an actual medicinal class within herbalism for plants known as aphrodisiacs. I have been a proponent and user of medicinal herb use, and they've been the mainstay of my wellness regimen for the last 30 years. So first, I wanna take some time talking about herbs as medicine, and then I'll get into some specific aphrodisiac plants. In this episode, I'll share five all-natural, organic, safe, and powerful herbs that have been scientifically proven to improve your sex life, and I will give you their dosage instructions. So growing up, I was quickly disillusioned by allopathic medicine and its many band-aids and few real answers and complete lack of healing. I began studying herbal medicine when I was 18, and then I started to grow my own herbs and food when I was 22, and I've been using them ever since. I don't even have Tylenol or pain relief medication in my house, let alone something stronger than that. I haven't used pharmaceuticals for decades. What I do have is a herbal pharmacy i keep certain herbs on hands for acute issues for example i have immunity herbs for when i start to feel a dip in my immune system i'll take those i have herbs for parasites because i travel in the tropics frequently and if i feel like i might have eaten something that was a little bit suspect i quickly take some of those and i have lots of first aid topical herbs and that's really it Indigenous cultures all over the world have cultivated relationships with plants that are native to their regions, and through their own intuitive observations or maybe even watching animals, they've compiled their own first aid kits a la nature to serve all of their needs. So because we live in a pharmacracy that we know that is a culture that is dominated by the big business aims of pharmaceutical and allopathic medicine, there has been a centuries-old smear campaign against herbal medicine. And at the turn of the last century, there was a deliberate movement to squash all herbal remedies in favor of pharmaceuticals. Now, do you know why this is? You know, you can say, okay, money, but there's a more specific reason than that. And that is because plants cannot be patented. So what happened, you know, so if you create a synthetic version of something, if you essentially rip off a plant and create a version of that in a lab, then you can patent that. And so that's exactly what happened is people began to copy and replicate the molecular structure of known healing plants and made these artificial versions of them. That's been happening for decades and even, you know, hundreds of years, (laughs) hundreds, at least over a 100 years now. So did you know, for example, that aspirin is based on the composition of the white willow bark tree? And aspirin can be patented and white willow bark cannot. So thus, we have a massive industry that has sourced much of its information from the plant world and use direct replications from plants. A friend of ours used to drive a boat through a remote area in Indonesia, and he worked for a pharmaceutical company, and their sole purpose was to scour the reef looking for new plant compounds they could make medicine out of, but i.e. not just the original plant form, but copy it to make pharmaceuticals out of. So the problem with isolating compounds like this and trying to recreate them is that nature surprise, surprise, did it best the first time. In any plant with medicinal powers, in addition to its main active properties, it also contains other chemicals that help to balance and support the whole system. So it's not working together as a whole, you know, which is what a drug is. It takes one particular compound and isolates it. And then this overwhelms the system. So I've had pharmacists talk to me about this, how the problem with these pharmaceutical drugs and why they're so dangerous and often addictive is because these constituents have been isolated. So if they were all working in harmony together as the sole whole plant, we would get all of that balancing and harmonizing equilibrium effect out of taking it as a plant. So all of this is to say that plant medicine is extremely powerful. And the only reasons you don't hear about it as a realistic option are, you know, like I said, there's this withholding information and smear campaigns to get you to buy drugs instead. Oh my God, chamomile is so dangerous. You better watch out for that chamomile. Um. Yeah, meanwhile, we have, what is it, like nearly a million million people here dying from the cause of iatrogenic medicine, right? So either side effects or the direct effects of pharmaceuticals and other procedures that are being done. That's what the actual danger is, not in a bunch of chamomile fucking tea. So, (laughs) you know, we have this massive opioid epidemic in, in America right now. I think it's one in five people are on antidepressants. It's fucking insane. So we've got all of this going on, and yet people try to rail against, oh no, that comfrey leaf might not be safe. It's just smear campaign. And then the other reason you don't hear about these things as viable options is just ignorance. People no longer study the ways of plants. They're discouraged from doing that, and so they don't even know how to dose them and use them for their true purposes. The other major difference between herbs and pharmaceuticals is that herbs are typically taken for a short period of time to balance out the system, and they have Curative effects, meaning they have permanent results. Drugs, on the other hand, tend to be either temporary but generally permanent lifelong band aids, you know, like with hormones or antidepressants. Oh, you've got this imbalance, you'll need to be on these for the rest of your life. <laughs> So so let's talk about, I mean, I'm laughing about this, but it's really a sad lie that so many people are sold. So let's talk about potency and dosages with herbs. So the most effective way to take any herb is through a tincture. So they, this means that um, a whole mass of plant matter is put into a giant container or jug of alcohol, and the alcohol extracts all of the active and medicinal qualities from the plant. So this is far more effective than just crushing up the herb, taking it as a pill, or even as a tea. Alcohol pulls everything out. So many of you know I don't drink alcohol myself. But I do take tinctures. And so if there's a tincture that's been extracted in alcohol, I take it. It doesn't, you know, cause a problem for me, but I'm not drinking alcohol, let's say, because I was an alcoholic or for religious reasons. So if you are in that category, then you can put your drops of tincture dose into warm or hot water and let it sit, and then the alcohol will evaporate out. So then we come down to potency. Most tinctures that are sold in, let's say, Whole Foods or your average health food shop use a ratio of five parts alcohol to one part plant. And this is a very, very weak potency. It's super diluted. So you know those little echinacea bottles you buy at Whole Foods, maybe like a 30 ml bottle? You'd pretty much have to drink that entire bottle in a day or two days to get the actual medicinal benefit of the herb because it's so diluted. So a solid useful ratio is two to one two parts alcohol to one part plant that is powerful so plants are even more powerful when you do conscious work to amplify their benefits so i'm all about not giving band-aids not giving quick fixes i'm all about the idea that you do the deeper internal work and you can affect all kinds of changes in your life. And so herbs, as powerful as they are, are going to be even more powerful and longer lasting when you take them in conjunction with doing your own inner work. And so, you know, I don't believe that, let's say, libidos just evaporate at random or someone's hormones go out of whack with no correlation to what's happening in their life, their emotions, and their relationship to themselves and their partners. There is always a connection And so even though I far prefer the use of herbs for all of the reasons I've said here, I still don't look at them as like, just go take your herb and that'll take away your libido problem. Yes, they're very powerful and effective, but I think of them as a boost and a kickstart, meaning we address our issues multidimensionally. I would look at someone's patterns and behaviors in their sexuality and their intimate relationship and if their libido is stalled out as a result of that, as is usually the case, then giving them a physical remedy at the same time means that we're treating on all levels and we'll see results even faster than if we treat in isolation. So I'll give you an example. I had a friend years ago and she was involved with this guy and they had the typical story of how the first couple of years they were all over each other had sex all over the place all the time and then five or six years into the relationship she's telling me that she has a quote low libido my libido is really low and at the same time she's having all of these arguments with her partner they're fighting all the time she's constantly blocking him on her like, phone and stuff and these big fights and then like and then watch and they'd actually be text fighting like instead of getting on the phone and having a proper fight or doing it face-to-face or having these massive text arguments that I just find kind of amusing. Anyway, so she is not connecting the fact that they are disconnected in themselves, they're disconnected in the relationship, they've had this giant pile of issues in their relationship that hasn't been resolved with the fact that she has a low libido. I connect that. (laughs) So the ideal situation is that people are doing their inner work, they're working on themselves, working on the relationship, and then you take a herb like this and then i will just knock it out of the ballpark. I mean, look, there have been all these scientific studies done on these herbs and they have results no matter what. So these people in these studies aren't necessarily working on their relationships, you know, they're just taking the herbs. But I'm saying, so A, they're powerful baseline on their own, but if you wanna knock their power into the stratosphere, then you take them in conjunction with doing this multidimensional work. So the other difference between, I'd say, drugs and herbs is that herbs are typically taken for, and this really depends, but I would say on average, like a six to eight week course, meaning a week isn't going deep enough to do the true work of healing and resurrecting. Herbs are taken twice a day, once in the morning, once in the evening for two months or so, or just under that. And again, this varies widely. Like if you were really looking to look at specific issues, you could speak to a herbalist or a naturopath specializing in this, but you need to have a concentrated period of time that isn't like a couple of years generally depending on what you're treating i guess some maybe deep 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 issues it could be longer so this so let's say a couple of months is typically enough time to really affect a change the idea is that you get in and you get out without creating some kind of long-term dependency What's also fascinating to me is that pretty much all of the herbs, if we're getting back into aphrodisiacs now, that are considered to be legit aphrodisiacs also have mood-boosting properties. Happy genitals, happy spirit. So they support the system all around to boost everything from sexual and adrenal hormonal flow and function to increasing your powers of concentration and endurance. So let's now take a look at some of the most powerful libido boosters on the planet saffron. Saffron would have to be number one. So you know those little orange filaments that you sometimes maybe put in your curries, but you, you buy them and there's like three filaments in the little glass for like 20 bucks. So saffron has been used in Western and Asian medicine for millennia. Historical use of saffron has been found in these 3,600-year-old frescoes in Greece, and it also has been known to, quote, cause a person's heart to be happy which is directly quoted from a traditional chinese medicine text recent studies have been done revealing saffron to be not only a powerful aphrodisiac but an antidepressant so whilst comparing the effects of saffron to prozac in mild to moderately depressed people the results were identical in both sexes saffron has been found to increase libido stamina and sensitivity of the sexual organs as well as regulate hormones In men, saffron boosts sperm motility and quality, and it's effective in treating erectile dysfunction, particularly in those taking antidepressants, and it supports more and longer-lasting erections. In women, saffron has been clinically shown to increase arousal and lubrication. So it builds healthy tissues and sex hormones. It creates luminous skin and helps to promote that well-fucked glow. It's also been shown to balance PMS and menstruation other studies have been done citing saffron's ability to decrease food cravings between meals and improve satiety so as i kind of hinted at saffron is i think it's the most expensive herb in the world each saffron plant produces only three little stigma those little filaments which are used as the medicine So next up would be Korean ginseng. Ginseng is considered to be a tonic and revitalizer of the whole body. It boosts metabolism, optimizes hormonal balance, and increases energy and reduces stress. Ginseng tends to be used as a male sexual aid. It boosts testosterone levels, fertility, sperm count, and mobility, and has been known to cure impotence. Not only does ginseng increase libido, it's also been found to improve copulatory performance by generating more frequent and longer lasting erections and has also been used in the treatment of ED or erectile dysfunction amen so all of this and it boosts mental alertness overall energy and athletic performance by increasing endurance so red Panax or Korean ginseng is meant to be the stronger aphrodisiac than the other strains Third up is Shatavari. This is known as the Supreme Women's Tonic, and it's also known as the herb responsible for she who possesses 100 husbands and can handle them well. Shatavari root is considered to be unsurpassed in its ability to balance female hormones. It boosts a woman's natural sexual energy, enhances vaginal lubrication, soothes PMS cramps, bloating, irritability, and also reduces fluid retention. It helps to regulate monthly cycles and ease menopausal symptoms such as night sweats, hot flashes, and dryness. Loaded with potent phytoestrogens, Shadavari is often recommended as a natural alternative to HRT, hormone replacement therapy. Ashwagandha. Ashwagandha has been traditionally used as a male herb. It's been clinically proven to increase testosterone, lower cortisol, which is the stress hormone, and it enhances virility, fertility, libido, sexual, and overall stamina. It also supports prostate health. They found significant growth arrest in cancer cells in patients who used ashwagandha over those who did not. And it's also supporting your erectile response and hormone balance and it generates confidence, decreases anxiety, and acts as a mood stabilizer. Plus, it's good at the gym. In studies, it's been found to significantly increase muscle size and strength and reduce recovery times. Number five up is maca. I'm sure you've all heard of maca; is a really great superfood. So this is an increasingly popular and available South American root with a plethora of healing qualities. Incan warriors are reputed to have taken it before battle and then after battle to celebrate victory with their lovers. It's fabulous for boosting the adrenals, overall energy, and mental clarity. It stabilizes mood swings associated with PMS. Increases vaginal lubrication and fertility and increases stamina as well as athletic performance, which you'll need once you get going. It improves erectile tissue response, balances testosterone, estrogen, and progesterone, and yes, it boosts your libido. You can add it to smoothies and nut milks. I've never seen this in a tincture form. So those are the top five I've got on my list. So (laughs) in my quest to bring you the highest quality information and sexual experience, accessories in the world I present to you sex nectar the sex nectar is our newest addition to the Anami Alchemia online shop this is our line of organically grown ethically sourced herbal tinctures we have three blends so far salacious for her salacious contains of course saffron shadavari, and black cohosh obviously i've spoken about saffron and shadavari on today's show and we've also included black cohosh to the mix because it's another very female friendly herb especially for all things menstruation and menopause it increases vaginal lubrication treats pms pcos cramping regulates periods and balances menopause it's also known to relieve hot flashes night sweats mood swings and sleep issues and is excellent to use post hysterectomy or ovary removal hard roots is our formula for men and this is inspired by the time i've spent in and around australians is that <laughs> rooting is the australian slang word for having sex so you have a root or you're rooting so hard roots because the most of the herbs in this mix apart from the saffron are made from roots therefore the name so hard roots is the one for him and it contains saffron or number number. number one aphrodisiac herb, as well as ashwagandha and ginseng, so those top three are in it. And we've also created a remedy called Happy Endings, and this is our breakup remedy. It's true, there's actually a herb that's meant to help you get through breakups. The single ingredient in Happy Endings is a herb called Happiness Bark that has long been prescribed as a breakup antidote. It's been called by Master Herbalist Michael Tierra, Herbal Prozac, and it's been used as a powerful mood booster, anxiety reliever, and to release blocked emotions, hence why herbalists use it to help people process the loss of love. So you can find all of these products in the Anami Alchemia online shop under Sex Nectar Herbal